Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome back to the show. I'm Zach. And I'm Andy. And we've got brownies, we've got coffee, and we are ready for a great episode for you today. Yeah, so we have Parker Stinson on. We're so excited because we've been talking about him on the A to Z Running Podcast. He is coached by Dathan Ritzenhain, who we had on a few weeks back. And as we've said so many times with these interviews, despite his elevated status in the sport, if you will, um, certainly elite in so many ways, which we'll get to. He's a record holder. He is a record holder, a current record holder. Um, he's also run to 10 in the marathon. So yeah, elite by all measures. Uh, but the wisdom he has to share can connect to every one of us at every level. And especially as you think about what it feels like to run under pressure, we got a lot to learn from Parker Stinson. Yeah. And please forgive us. We did have some issues with phone connectivity, but listen to the things he says. It's worth hanging in there. So we got that coming up, but before we do, let's get some world of running updates. All right. So this week for the world of running, we don't want to dwell on Parker's competition too much. But in the world of running, we need to talk about Galen Rupp and how he chose a new coach. It's been a long time coming. Alberto Salazar was banned by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency in October for doping violations. And Galen's really taken his time finding a new coach. He wasn't even sure if he wanted a new coach. Yeah, he actually said in an interview that he was thinking about coaching himself for a while, but... And I, I find this to be a fascinating comment because Galen certainly knows the sport of running. He's he's fully able to coach himself if anyone is able to coach themselves. But he made the comments about needing or the value of an objective third party or outside perspective. And especially dwelling on how important it is because we tend to look at everything we're doing through an emotional lens. Mm-hmm. And so to get past that emotion to see objectively he thought it was necessary to have external input. Well, for those of you who don't know who Galen Rupp is, he won a silver medal on the track in the 10K at the 2012 London Olympics and took bronze in the 2016 Olympic Marathon in Rio. So another exceptional athlete and exceptional performance was just recently Ronex Kipruto of Kenya broke the world road 10K record running a time of 26.24. Wow. Um, So just uh, do the math there. Split it in half. That's 13.12 per 5K, except he didn't run evenly. He negative split. So it was actually he closed in about 13.06 for the second 5K. So, uh, by the way, a personal record for him in the 5K as well as in the (laughs) 10K. Clearly, this was just an outstanding performance. Yeah, something was in the water, um, and the the women in that race also ran fast. The winning female nearly broke the world 10k road record for women in a uh, time of 29:40 something, 46. <laughs> Let me get the numbers right: 29:46, which is five seconds off the existing record. So um, clearly, some crazy things going on. Now, let me give you a little bit more context here because this is not just a small thing. Ronex Capruto was the world bronze medalist 
in the 10K in Doha, the World Athletics Championships, um, just this past fall, which is exceptional because he was 19 years old at the time. And so now 20 years old, and he runs the World 10K road record. And not only did he run this record, but it's only seven seconds slower than the Kenanisa Bekele World 10k track record legendary and i say the because it literally is legendary it's it's a fabled time that record has now stood for nearly 15 years which i can't believe he's still going in the world of 10k running by the way um as far as the 10k record goes this is the longest a 10k record has stood since the beginning of tracking the 10k record by the double iaaf and that uh, ago, was right? over 100 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, this is something. And I just cannot emphasize enough how, you know, we're seeing things happening. We talk about Elliot Kipchoge. We talk about all these performances. We're seeing things happening that are happening in ways they never have before. And it's just really exciting. Um, one other comment about Ronix Cabruto. He ran this record not wearing the Nike shoe. So Some there, of you are curious you about go. that. <laughs> Some of you are curious. Everyone's wearing the Nike shoe. And that's why all these. Nope. He was not. He was wearing something else, and I honestly don't know what it is because people seem to not be able to agree on what shoe he was wearing. So speaking of technology in a totally different way, we're talking about the paralyzed man who won the world record for finishing the marathon in an exoskeleton suit. So this man, Adam Gorlinski, He's paralyzed from the waist down. He completed Saturday's marathon in a 26.2-mile race. Of course, it's a marathon. In a time of 33 hours, 50 minutes, and 23 seconds. Wow. That's a long time to be working out. That takes a lot of endurance and grit. And we should... We should- give a clear picture of what's going on here because these exoskeleton suits, it's not like he's going and just like a robot is running underneath him kind no. of thing. Um, this thing is connected to his brain with sensors so that he's the one moving it. As he's thinking, the exoskeleton suit is moving his legs. So it's not an implant. It's attached just externally to his legs and it's literally lifting them in a walking motion. This is just really incredible. But it's not, it's such new technology that um, it's not like the you know the movies and stuff where they're jumping over mountains and and through trains and all that kind of thing. So um, he had like walker canes on with each arm as well to stabilize himself and just to be able to do that. Um, I can't. So I I've been trying to find out how to, what does it take to train yourself to be able to think a robot moving. Um, and it's not easy. So that by itself, just the mental fatigue and exhaustion of trying to do that. Uh, but also, clearly, this was physically grueling to spend mm-hmm. that much time. I just, I'm, I'm so impressed. And it's his second attempt. He's been going after this record um, hard. And so his first attempt, he got to 17.2 miles. But this one, he made it all the way and got the world record. And he says, my spinal cord injury doesn't define who I am. The message that I want to come out of this is that your injuries your physical disabilities, your adversities will never define who you are. And he has surely overcome them. And that is the truth. So while we're on the topic of technology and our final comment for this segment is the Consumer Electronics Show uh, just held recently. It's annual show. And as always, they have new running technology that's announced. And this is nothing new, um, especially kind of the way the technology is going. It's, it's something we're seeing now for a while. But Two highlights that I'll mention, the first being a continual push toward like real-time feedback while you're running. So you're wearing some kind of sensor that gives you information about like your form, your your running mechanics, and some of those kinds of things. And then it tells you what you should be doing differently, uh, especially if you're like over the course of the run, if something's changing. 
it'll give you direction to try to uh, get that back to status quo or what it should be. Um, I don't really know how these things establish what it should be. If it's like an objective thing or if they evaluate you and then they try to create a profile for you. Um, I know that there's probably some combination of that, but um, definitely some interesting things out there. It's everything from you can buy a heart rate monitor and subscribe to an app for like 10 bucks a month to you can spend $500 for these shoe implant things that you Mm -hmm. wear inside your shoes. So a lot of stuff, um, very many different ways to do it. And the second piece then is it seems to be a common trend in the world of fitness to always look for like shortcuts to good workouts. How can we recreate the gym experience in our own home, all that kind of stuff. And there's some new things out that are really tech heavy that help to create some of these kinds of things. Um, And some of it looks fascinating. Personally, I don't know if I would necessarily spend the money for these things, but I would love to try them or hear about people who try them just because I'm curious how they work or if they work or how well they work. The one point of caution, as I look at this, even just the heading here, shortcuts to good workouts, um, it's it's always a point of caution because whenever you're looking for a shortcut to something, chances are it's cutting something quality out. And that something quality can take many shapes and forms, but it's It's something that I generally try to avoid if I can because I want the best quality workout experience. So whether it's tech or obviously great performances, a lot of things going on, and we'll keep you up to date and posted on the next and newest stuff next time. For our main topic, we have an interview with Parker Stinson. Very excited to have him on. We're so grateful that he's decided to share with us about running under pressure. It was really exciting for us, me and Zach, because we were at the race where he broke the 25K American record in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Amway Riverbank Run. So that was really exciting for us. That's one of many accolades that Parker brings to the table. Yeah, and then he went on later in the season to run 210 in in the marathon at Chicago, where we also were, but not necessarily anywhere near where he was at the time. We were running also way way behind. Yes. But yeah, very exciting stuff. And so uh, clearly, as you might guess, with accolades like that, and we haven't even touched on his full career here, but... um, He's he knows what it's like to run when the stakes are high and there's a lot of pressure and we wanted to tap into that in our conversation so we'll get to that in just a moment but first it's probably helpful to get some background on what Parker has done and where he's been. So Parker is very familiar with competition and competing under pressure. He started as a junior champion. So he's been a three-time U.S. junior champion in the 10K, Pan Am junior champion in the 10K, and he went to World Junior Championships and was sixth there. So the junior championships, by the way, are U20. Anything under 20 counts as junior championships. And when you race at a level like that, for the majority of the time, you're racing against some of the best in the collegiate level. Because even though it's junior, there's still oftentimes freshmen, sophomore, even sometimes juniors in college racing in those events. And he did really great in college too, NCAA 5K. He was third for two years. He's a nine-time All-American. So he's been on the running scene a long time. And that kind of sets us up for a conversation about how to run under pressure. And we should say too, because it does come up in the conversation, but Parker knows what it's like to succeed, as we've already mentioned, but he also knows what it's like to fail and to not meet the expectations placed on you or you place on yourself. And so we wanted to talk to him about that. 
how do you deal with the lows and and what do you do when there's highs and so we're going to get into that and more in our conversation with parker stinson so parker thanks so much for joining us on the a to z running podcast we're so glad that you decided to come on yeah, I'm a big fan, fan of uh, Michigan and, and Grand Rapids and that whole area, as you guys know. So I'm really uh, grateful and excited to be on your guys' podcast. Well, it certainly makes sense that you would appreciate the West Michigan area after the 25K <laughs> last year and the American record. <laughs> that was a solid performance, right? Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of those special days. You just, uh, I think we've all, all runners have had those days. I think it's probably what, what brings us keep coming back to the sport we've had those days but they're usually like a random training run or maybe like a workout uh but so so little like so it's so rare that it happens on such the perfect stage and on the day that you're open when you're um you're firing on all cylinders and you have a great opportunity it's so so rare uh to have that day where you just never really seem to get tired no matter what you do uh, you're just unstoppable. So, yeah, super grateful and lucky that it happened on that day um, and just waiting for the next the next one to come around. Yeah, definitely. We were excited for you as, you know, as we were able to see that in action. Um, that kind of lends itself, Parker, to our, our focus for the conversation, if you will, just really talking about the aspects of um, running and racing in a high stake environment and what it takes to be aggressive even when it you know it doesn't always work out and you've certainly had some lows and obviously as we're talking you've had some highs Um, so in that sense you just you just kind of hinted at it you know when things are really clicking and they're coming together and you just know you can pour it on um, you know that that doesn't necessarily you don't know that until you're already a little ways into things. You know, you've kind of you've kind of already put yourself out there, right? So, um, just knowing the idea of being aggressive when sometimes it doesn't work out um, has has that always been the case for you? Like, have you been able and willing to put yourself out there like that in a race, or um, is there a point in your career when you really started to grow in that way? What what's that been like for you? Yeah, um, I think I've always been that way, but it's it's like what you said. Uh, it's come with a lot of failures and I think um, most of the time that it's turned into success stories. Um, I've had a coach and, or someone important that's just kind of had to um, beat, beat that instinct out of me uh, time and time again. And I, I learned to do it the right way. And um, I was a little kid. I, I, uh, I, when I was like 10 or 11, um, I started on track uh, and you know, the coaches and other people on the team, even though I wasn't, I was just okay at the time. But everyone had so much respect for me and gave me all these nicknames and stuff because they just, like, never <laughs> saw anyone, like, work so hard. Especially, like, you have to remember, I was probably, like, four feet and I had a shaved head and, like, I mean, it was just crazy looking. So um, I've always been that way. And then when I was younger, if you can believe it or not, I, when I started to have a ton of success, my dad uh taught me how to re- 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 uh, run like even splits reverse splits uh and i learned that at like the age of 12 and then somehow have um <laughs> like all kids i guess uh shunned their parents teachings uh time and time again because uh, then oregon i went through a phase of running too aggressively and not being able to finish what i start and then um same thing those coaches had some really rough talks with me and um, kind of like our way or the highway and stuff like that. And 
then, you know, um, I actually ended up getting third in NCAAs twice and, and out kicking like six people at the end of races. And so um, I didn't really think of myself as that kind of athlete, but with their help and their support, they kind of channel that aggressiveness you're talking about um, in the right way. And then, yeah, and, and most recently, um, I was having a lot of failures and the marathon and uh, other stuff and then uh, started working with Dathan and um, also started training alone. And um, even though I am really aggressive and, you know, people love to think of me as this sort of way, when you're training alone, you can, like, only, like, kill yourself uh, every single day by yourself so much. So I kind of just, like, I wouldn't say I slack off or anything, but I just kind of um, go a little bit easier on myself uh, day in, day out. And then I think that's allowed me to kind of, like, channel it a different way and a better way in these races. Um, and so, so yeah, it's kind of the story of I've, I've gone back and forth through it actually ever since I started running. I'm getting, as you're describing that Parker, I'm getting this vision of like, um, you know, the classic mountain dojo with the young aspiring warrior who's all hot headed, <laughs> aggressive and the, you know, the dojo master who's like, you need to channel your aggression, but, it, but that's it, right? You're, you're learning to cultivate what can be a weapon in your arsenal when wielded properly. Yeah, you know, and I think something like that was that was so special about this last year is um, <clears throat> I'm really proud of both moments. Like the 25K was such an amazing day of running aggressively and working out, but also just like just such a pure raw potential um, performance of like that was so fast and so impressive for like for me. And the Chicago Marathon was great running 210. Now, I think that 25K would probably say I could run like 208 or something. Mm. So you'd think, oh, well, you know, would you be disappointed in Chicago? And they're just so different because what I'm happy about Chicago was the composure and the execution and finishing the race with my fastest miles at the end. And I'm so proud of that. Um, and it's so different. It was such a mental um, mm. breakthrough. Where the 25K was more just like, um, I had my day and I just kept pouring it on and I'm really proud from like a talent standpoint of like what that represented but to me Chicago's performance represents like much more like um, a masterful like artwork and really um, it took everything that I had to a full it took mental everything to get that done where the 25 day um, I just kind of pour it on and it, and it worked out. <laughs> so. so can you tell Parker, our listeners, what Chicago meant for you and what your goals were going in and how you executed them? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it meant everything because like, I, even as we were just hinting at the 25 K was amazing, but it's just in this sport and in this industry, or maybe, maybe it's any other human being. Um, you just notice a lot of negative things or like people always want to criticize. So, it's kind of like even when I solo an American record and won by like 80 seconds, you know, people want to just be like, well, it's not a marathon. So like he still doesn't have what it takes and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so to do it at like the real distance on such a huge stage and with all those Americans around and so many other good people having such a good day, that's normally something that would have really um, bothered me. And just got it done. Uh, and my goal was to break 211, and that's exactly what I did. Um, and uh, my, my other goal um, was, you know, if I can't break 211, I want to improve. I want to make steps forward in the marathon. So even if I just run 212, like, 
I want to be closing it well. I want to be someone who's moving well at the end of the race. Um, and that goal was actually so important to me and to Nathan and I about make like trying to make the fix that. Um, it was almost like, Parker, we don't want you to go out there and just run like a madman and go run 208, 209. Because we already did that like, in the 25K. It was so much more important for us to like run 210, 211 like the right way. Because I'm not going to just out fitness people in Atlanta on that kind of course. Like I'm going to have to earn my Olympic bid by like just finding a way to beat people over the last 10K. And so um, Chicago couldn't have been more perfect. Um, and last year was just so perfect because I got such an amazing performance in the 25K from just like a talent standpoint and an exciting and an ability standpoint. And then Chicago was such a high-pressure situation after setting the American record. And, and honestly, just Dathan and I personally knew um, – it doesn't, you know, I ran 210.53, so that's what I ran, but I was in better shape than that, and so, and we both knew that, so it was kind of like, the, the least I could do was break 211, so it was a lot of pressure, um, but I'm really grateful to get it done, and so it meant a lot um, to to do to do that on such a, a huge stage in Chicago. Yeah. So how did you use that pressure to achieve your goal? Because for some of us, <laughs> me, um, <laughs> sometimes pressure can make it harder, but also can elevate. How do you, in all this experience that you've had, I mean, you you were multiple time junior champion, um, you're world, you were at the world junior championships. You've done this for a long time. So I guess, what would your advice be for someone like me who sometimes can have pressure be a negative thing and then sometimes elevate under pressure? How do you make the most of it so that most of the time you're being elevated? Sure, yeah. Um, I've got a, I have so much experience with this. Um, and I've, taught, I've worked with so many sports psychologists and stuff, and it's, um, it's pretty cool. So I guess the first thing I would say just how, how it works for me is, um, like, like you mentioned, I've been doing it for so long um, that I think I need the situations at this point um, for me to, to really um, get the most out of myself at this point. Um, but to, what, to what, you're, what you're talking about, and um, I know that everyone deals with it, and I love this advice. I even just gave it to um, a buddy of mine, Dan Nestor, who uh, he won in monumental half in a PR of 62.57, and he led the whole thing in one, and it was amazing. Uh, so what someone told me one time was those feelings of that big stage and feeling nervous and feeling anxiety and feeling like you don't want to be there or, you know, whatever it is. We, so many people see that and they go, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me? Like, what, why am I feeling this way? What's wrong? What's wrong? And what's so important is those are completely normal feelings. Everyone mm. feels that. And instead of trying to mask them or trying to push them away, you need to let them in and you need to sit with them and you need to be okay mm. with those feelings and slowly try to understand them and, and work away from them. Um, and I love that advice. And so for instance, 25K, I thought about, winning that race and I thought about failing in that race and I thought about everything like 10 days in advance and I've never thought about a race that much. Most people would tell you don't do that. Don't, no, 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 no. Like you're going to psych yourself out. You're going to psych yourself out. And I think if I'd started doing that two days before, a day before, I think you could be right. 
but instead it gave, gave me the time to process losing to people I didn't want to lose to or not having this great day or staying with Jason and his family for two weeks and like not winning a race that I should very much win, you know, and processing those things and, and just thinking about them. Um, and the last thing I'll say on it is um, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, my, my training for Chicago went amazing. The last week or so, I lost a lot of confidence. So I just, I don't know, I, I just didn't feel like myself when I came to Michigan that this time, unfortunately. And I remember um, like around miles four or five or six, somewhere in there, at Chicago, we were running, we were not fast, we were, we were out slow, actually, even, I think we were probably five-minute pace, and I ended up running 459 and closing in, like, 450s, <laughs> at four, five, and six miles, I felt so overwhelmed by the crowd, and how many people were there, and the fact that we were barely on pace, and I didn't really feel that good. Somehow, I ran another 20 miles at that, but that was <laughs> just anxiety and I was just those things come in and I didn't want to be there like I, I I really didn't want to be there and I'm not I, I don't know how much I thought about dropping out but I felt very um overwhelmed by the situation at times and I just had to deal with it and, and, hope, and hope that I didn't lose focus and, and and get too down in that moment but it's amazing because then how I felt about how could you possibly keep running and then you run 20 more miles and pick it up yeah and really quite impressive that um like you said you know feeling that way that early on and then just continuing to run 20 miles in it and you know coming out the other end quite successful so that's really that's really impressive in that sense and just um certainly speaks to what we're what we're really hearing um here from you parker so i'm curious then um what do you feel like when you think about kind of the the right amount of pressure um the external pressures whether it's like the contracts or the um you know the goals set for you with uh with your coaching and and in your training um and then the internal pressures too your own expectations of yourself and um you know the emotions around there what do you feel like is the right amount and the right combination of things for a good pressure for a race yeah that's tough um i've run really well when i've kind of had opportunities and then kind of like mess them up and then people i don't want to you know be negative but like people just don't really care how you do anymore <laughs> so like that's a very like freeing a very freeing thing because you still have your own internal goals and pressure and, and at least for me um I'm really hard on myself and like, so that's always going to be enough. Um, the external stuff can be fun. Uh, you know, it's not the right amount when your contract or obligations or things you're doing, um, are so much so that you're going to jeopardize, you're going to make decisions that aren't in the best interest for your career and things like that. Because at the end of the day, those, those people need to realize like, it's just one race, it's just one thing. And like, if they really believe in you, you know what, they're just going to have to deal with that. Maybe you got hurt or maybe that didn't work out that time, but, but it's right for you. I mean, even my story, you know, like my Achilles is all messed up and I couldn't do much for my, in my first few years of Saucony. Um, but they just gave me my space and, and I did what I could do and things come around and then set an American record and run 210 and I'm only 27, you know, but, if they made some huge deal or like reduce me or whatever and all this kind of stuff, you'd probably just end up continuing to get injured. It's really hard 
question to answer because it depends. I think some athletes do need that external external pressure from coaches or um, agents or shoe companies. So I think it's just really individual based. Um, I love this sport. I love working hard. You know, no one no one cares more about how I do or is affected by it more than me. You know, mm. but I think. I think most runners by nature are really hard on themselves and really um, intrinsically motivated. It's a pretty, um, it's a very social sport, but there's also a lot of very like spiritual and like alone, alone moments that um, I don't think people would get through if, if, uh, if it didn't matter a lot to them personally. Hey, listeners, apologies for this interruption, but right in the middle of the conversation there, something happened with our equipment and it crashed on us. So we had to continue the conversation with Parker without our microphones. So apologies there, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up here and hear the rest of Parker's comments. Our closing question, if you will, Parker, is just in thinking about Atlanta now and thinking about... um, you know, you've done those things in in so many ways. In the last nine months, you've kind of proven, I would imagine, as you've been talking, uh, certainly a bit to yourself, but certainly to the rest of the world, you've proven that your name belongs on that list. You know, like what, who should we be watching in this race? Um, and after that execution in Chicago, I imagine you've got to be looking forward to Atlanta, like the chance to test it, to put it all to the test. Um, are you excited about that? Are you nervous about that? What are what are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm really excited. Um, I I think uh, I just had to I had to just make up so much ground this last year to like like we said have a to deserve to have my name be mentioned and everything. And I'm so I'm so excited and grateful that this that 2019 went the way it went. Um, and yeah, like I I think um, I just have no doubts anymore. Uh, and I uh, and not like not in a cocky way. It's just like. I think that's why so many people are excited about the trials on both the men and the women's too, is like um, I've proven to myself and a lot of people have proven to themselves and to other people that we all have the caliber and, and the execution to become Olympians. It's just going to be who has their day and, and who can handle that course. But yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that February 29th, like if I have my day, like that, I, I, I definitely believe now that, um, I can become an Olympian with the last year that I showed, but it's really like if you have your day or not, um, cause there's so many other guys. And if I have, if I have an A minus day and someone else in that category has an A plus, then yeah, I'm probably not going. Um, but it feels really cool to, I, I do like, I haven't made, I'm not an Olympian, but I feel like I, I, I can kind of see what it takes now. Um, and I feel like I've proven that to myself. So it's just kind of like that, that old saying of, well, the fun part is like going out there and, and, and now doing it. So Atlanta, if I can give an analogy, Atlanta is, is like the razor's edge. Everyone's going to be out there running the razor's edge and you know, who keeps the edge the longest kind of thing. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's just like, I think that course is such an equalizer too, because, you know, I think anyone, I think anyone that's maybe a little bit of a different class, like your Leonard careers or your Galen Rupps, if he's healthy, it's not a course that you just want to try to go outclass people like, um, like Shalane Flanagan and Amy Craig did in LA, you know, they were just out there already like mile six, just running together in front of everyone. You know, I, I, even if I'm those guys and you know, you're 5% better than everyone, 10% better, it's still kind of just risky because you don't know, 
Um, so I just think it leaves the door open for a lot of people that if they have good days, like it can be really, really exciting. And man, for the fans and for family members and TV, it's just going to be, um, I think it's going to be a, a, a trials to remember for sure. I was actually lamenting Parker because I am one of the, like the slowest people to have made it, you know, for the Olympic trials and I'm not going to get to watch it. Like I'm going to find out after everyone else about how you did. Um, anyway, I was lamenting to a friend about that. Cause I'm going to be like 40 minutes, you know? Yeah. How about, yeah. How about this? How about you run? How about you run like two thirty nine on that course and we'll just all go run like two Oh nine and then maybe you can Sounds still good. see it. Oh, that sounds, sounds, that sounds like a good plan. Uh-huh. Sounds yeah. good to me, too. I just wrote down this quote that you said, that you, you love the sport, you love working hard, and no one cares um, or is affected by it as much as me. Let's do it like this, Parker. Let's have this kind of just be the summary of the conversation, if you will. Just kind of go back to that point of... Um, you know, when you're dealing with the pressure and what uh, the question was, what was the right amount of pressure? But obviously that's not necessarily the great question, but what is it that it, what is it that it means for you to be dealing with that pressure? And, and you were talking about loving the sport and loving working hard. Come back to that. Yeah, basically um, that 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 thought about, you know, I, I love the sport and I love working hard and and no one cares more about I live or I live or die by my results. Like I've tried to. I've tried to get away from that a little bit and, and go towards the process, but I, I live and die um, by my results. And I just think like, and you have to know the athlete you're dealing with, but basically um, what, when we were talking about the right kind of pressure is I've just through my career had these coaches who um, would come down like super hard on me and like this and that and, or, you know, other pressures and, um, you know, that just doesn't work well for me because like I said, you know, and this isn't, this isn't the case. It's just an example. I have a great agent um, and I've been very happy with him. But for example, like let's say an agent is really frustrated with how you did, or they're like a piss that you didn't run well and stuff. And I'm like, well, guess what? You get 15% of the money I just missed out on. I missed out on 85%, you know? So that, but that's kind of like, that's the, how I treat the whole sport. Same thing. Look, I know coaches, I've had so many great coaches you know, that pour their heart into it and they can get frustrated when I'm not performing well. But the thing is, it's like, you know, who gets more frustrated? I'm the one who has to go home and like live with, live with it. And I live with it really in a very tough way sometimes. Um, in fact, actually when I was a, a sophomore, uh, I think at the university of Oregon, uh, name drop here a little bit, um, Matthew Sensuitz and I, uh, he kind of took me under his wing. We, we were pretty good buddies and, he was kind of the same way and he actually um, took me on a run and, and used to talk to me about it a lot and talk to me about, I just have to stop getting, I would get so like, I would get way too high and way too low. And he would talk, he said, you know, that's okay. Like with races, a big race, getting really high, enjoy that, a big, a big low in a race, you know, you got to deal with that. But I would get so high, like about like a great, a great workout or like a great few weeks of training that, you know, when, when inevitably, uh, you come down from that, I, I would just get so low. And so, um, it just kind of goes along with that point of, I put so much pressure on myself because I just really live and live and breathe the sport that, uh, I don't need any more pressure from, from other people. It, 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 it doesn't end up being, uh, a good thing for me. Well, and there you have it. Just, just knowing, 
like you were saying earlier, just knowing yourself and you know how you may differ from others in that sense, and then being able to turn that into productive action, you know, where you can you can channel that as you were saying earlier about like the aggression and such. Uh, Parker, just channeling that into a successful endeavor, and you've been doing that, and so you know it's been a, a real joy to see your your career kind of you know going through these phases in a sense. Um, and we're certainly excited for Atlanta. Obviously, we you know we can't know what the result's going to be, but we know you know we know you're, that you're ready for something, and that's really exciting. So we're really hopeful that it can come together for you there too. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I'll pour pour it out there, whatever I got. So we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, Parker, thanks so much for giving your time to our audience and sharing from your experiences and certainly um, your talents and strengths. Appreciate everything you guys are doing. Um, really enjoy the podcast and and uh, love being in Michigan. Um, so I'll have to meet up with you guys when when I get back out there. And yeah, just keep doing your things and. Uh, Cheers to, you know, uh, healthy buildup for you guys and um, really excited for you guys too. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate we'll it. see you in Atlanta. Definitely some great insights from Parker there and certainly some challenges with just trying to connect with him with the phone and some things like that. But uh, it's still great for him to give that time and share some of his insights. So Andy, as you reflect on the conversation, what stood out? I really appreciated how Parker talked about how he loves the sport so much as part of what drives him. He loves to work hard. And this is the part that I really resonated with that no one cares about our performances as much as we do. It's a very personal thing. So when we put everything in perspective, when we look at these exterior pressures, the thing that matters the most is our satisfaction in our work. Yeah, and I think one of the fascinating things about his just his passion for the sport um, is, it, as we touched on early in the interview, um, it often in his career has translated to aggressive racing, and that's been both the cause for some of his big successes as well as the source of some of his not as successful endeavors and so just that whole point of like you know he just chases after it with everything he's got and um you know someone like that is going to experience some lows but also and we just love that he's had the opportunity to experience some highs and really reap some of the rewards for all of that work and and just the passion and love of the sport throughout all of that and you're definitely going to want to follow parker he's a really fun one to watch and get to know especially because he does have an awesome shot he's one of the major contenders for making the olympic team Absolutely. And we said it to him and we'll say it again. We're hopeful that uh, the race goes well for him. And of course, you never know exactly what the marathon has to offer on a given day. But, uh, you know, he's, he's going to go out and he's going to race with the best. And it's going to be an exciting time. If you like this episode, make sure you give it a share. Follow Parker on Instagram and at A to Z Running. And you can find all the details and links to anything that you need to follow up on at A to Z Running dot com slash episode 15. Thanks again. Have a great week.